0: Welcome to the City Road Podcast. Join us on City Road as we travel along the frontiers of urban and housing research. Follow us on Apple Podcast and find out more about the show at cityroadpod.org. The Torrens system of land title registration was developed in South Australia in 1858, and it's fast becoming the most popular system of land registration around the world. Unlike the old, common law system, under the Torrens system, title is conveyed through a centralised, singular and increasingly electronic process of registration. Our guest this week is Sarah Keenan, who's written about land title registries as time machines. Sarah argues that the Torrens system hides the land's unregistered history making that history disappear from legal view even though the people who have those histories still exist and even though those land histories still exist. Sarah, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks so much Dallas.
0: Can you tell me a little bit about your history and how that's brought you to this question of land title registrations?
1: Sure, yeah. So I'm Sarah Keenan and I'm senior lecturer in law at Birkbeck Law School, which is part of the University of London. And I'm also a co-director of the Centre for Research on Race and Law. So I'm based in London now, but I did my law degree in Australia and I'm Australian originally. Um, So when we studied property law or land law at ANU, when I did it, we had one semester that was the old system and one semester that was the new system. And the old system was basically old English law, which was feudal and um, confusing with lots of sort of old terms like bona fide purchaser for value without notice and, you know, confusing rules that only lawyers remember. And the new system was the Torrens system of title registration. And the way that we learned that was that it was efficient and better and clearer and simpler. So yeah.
0: can you tell me a little bit about the old system?
1: I can, yes. So under the old system, the legal basis of title to land was possession, possession of the land, which is a kind of brutal arbitrary concept truly you know it's basically the idea that I legally have title to this land because I'm on it and because I was here first and because I'm not letting you on it Mm. so that was that was the legal basis of title to English land until the registration system replaced it. So until 1858 in South Australia and until 2002 in England and Wales. So they they changed the basis of title much more recently. So because possession is a raw physical fact and depends on human behaviour, it's something that's very difficult to ascertain, proving possession... And having title to land was also difficult and before the invention of writing what communities used to do is have a big public ceremony whenever land title was being transferred and the purpose of those ceremonies was to have the local community remember and then recognize and respect that this was the new title holder because there'd been a big ceremony Everyone And they were oral? They were oral. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. I mean, there were um, physical things that were done, like a a cut of turf might, you know, be given symbolically, something would be performed. But this is uh, in pre writing, kind of medieval times. And there's really great work on this by Alain Patage at the LSE, who's got um, intricate historical accounts of old ceremonies around title transfers. So then when writing was invented, that made things a bit easier and title deeds took the place of those big ceremonies. So title deeds serve the purpose to record that a title transfer has happened, but we know that there are certain ceremonies that go around the making of a deed. So they're not just any piece of paper, they're a ceremonial piece of paper that is embedded in, you know, community memory in a different kind of way, in in a more centralised kind of way. So once we have writing and title deeds, what lawyers would do when title was being transferred is they would construct a historical chain of these title deeds back as far as possible. Because again, Title was still just based on physical possession. So even if you had a chain of title deeds that went back 20 years, you might still find that there's someone out there who has a counterclaim to your possession, who says, actually, I was there, you know, 40 years ago, I have a better right. So what lawyers would tend to do up until the early 1800s, was construct a chain of title deeds that was 60 years old, because that was about the life expectancy of the property owning classes mm. at the time. So if you had 60 years, it was unlikely that anyone else could emerge to, to challenge you. So constructing those chains of title deeds was a big part of what solicitors used to do. It was a huge bulk of, of their work. And um, that's part of why they didn't want any system that would simplify it. So they were English solicitors were opposed to the introduction of a registration system. Um, there were many reasons that there was a push to reform that system because it, it took a long time to construct those documents. And um, as the Industrial Revolution happened and people from outside the traditional property landed classes wanted to buy land and they didn't want to have to go through this process, there was a push to reform the system to make it more efficient, to make land easier to sell.
0: When when you're talking there, it just reminds me of the land claiming that went on. I'm thinking here about in the US where the surveyors were going through and people were were jumping ahead of the survey line to kind of claim land, to sort of be on the land and to claim ownership of it before the survey got there. And I guess that this is one part of the colonial process. You're interested in the Torrens system that comes out of South Australia. Can you tell us a bit about that and how that fits into this story? Yeah.
1: So the Torrens system was, uh, I guess you could say it was a bit of a colonial experiment because there was this push for reform in England to make the system of transferring land more efficient, but the solicitors and the landed classes were really opposed to it because... They wanted land to be special and they liked that it was quite hard to transfer actually and they'd gotten quite good at it. So they didn't want you know it to be a commodity like any other. It was special to them. However, um, land in the British colonies and in Australia specifically was not seen as special. It was seen as empty and ripe for for trialling this sort of adventurous idea of, of title registration. So, yeah, Torrens was the third Premier of South Australia and he had worked in the British shipping industry previously and most historical accounts of his innovation of this land title registration system say that it's mainly influenced from his work in the British shipping industry. There are some historical accounts that say that he was also influenced by the German system of land recording and registration. And there are some sort of contentious historical debates about where that came from. Yeah.
0: So what did you do?
1: What did he do? <laughs> um, well, he introduced this system that changed the basis of title. So That's the most fundamental thing, really, about the Torrens system is that it changes the basis of title from possession to registration. So it's no longer necessary to construct those chains of title deeds. The sole legal basis of your title to land is the singular bureaucratic act of registering that land. What it says on the register is the law and that's it. The fact that buyers can rely on a centralised, straightforward piece of information about land and they can confidently know that there won't be any counterclaims from mm. history, that's really good for land markets. Mm. And-, and
0: really good for this land market at this time because it was a global land market.
1: Yes, exactly. So according to some historical accounts, it was exactly the international nature of the land market for South Australian land that was one of the kind of impetuses to innovate this new system, because as you can imagine, and particularly at the time, trying to keep track of these paper title deeds when you're a buyer over in London and the land is literally on the other side of the world. It's really difficult. So,
0: If I'm correct here, we have buyers in London that are buying land that's being sold off in South Australia, and this title registration system becomes the way that they can guarantee that they have a right to... That property that they're buying.
1: Yes. I mean, of course, with the, the older system that they were using, you know, prior to 1858, when Torrens brought this in, it was guaranteed as well. But there were difficulties in constructing that chain of title deeds. And I do think that there might have been a level of nervousness around the fact that this was land very far away mm. and that actually there were other people living there mm. who might have claims to the land yeah.
0: and was communications important at that time our communication between the south australia and london
1: yes it was and this radically simplified the communication that needed to take place over land. So you didn't need to know very much about the land at all to invest through the Torrens system. You just needed to be able to access the central register.
0: All you needed was that bit of paper.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yep.
0: So you've um, written about three defining features of the Torrens title registration system. Uh, what are those? How do they relate to this idea?
1: Right. So... The mirror, the curtain and indemnity are often listed in land law textbooks as the three defining features of the Torrens system. And you can really think of these as three promises that the system makes to buyers in order that they can trust that system. So the mirror principle is that what it says on the register is an accurate and full reflection of what is happening on the land in real life. So, if it says that Mr. Smith owns the land, Mrs. Berry has a pathway over it, then that is true, and nothing else can change that. That's the full and so whole. So, the, the legal
0: document re- represents the physical environment in exactly. some in some ways. Yeah. Yes. What a, What about the idea of the curtain?
1: So, the curtain goes along with the mirror. Um, So whereas the mirror says what it says on the register is, is true in real life, the curtain says anything that is not on the register, you can pull a metaphorical curtain over and just ignore it. So... The curtain is actually something of an admission that the mirror is not the full reflection that it claims to be because there is the very real possibility that there are actually historical Mm -hmm. counterclaims to that land, Mm -hmm. but the curtain principle is that if those claims exist in real life but they're not on the register – you, the new buyer, can ignore them. They we, don't we, matter.
0: we legally don't care about them. We legally don't and care the about them. the weight of that is kind of uh, quite heavy when I'm thinking about Australian land history right now. <laughs>
1: yes, um, it is. Um, and actually, I mean, I don't know if this is relevant. Oh, it might be actually. When I was doing research for this, there is a there is a historical book on the history of Torrens title in Canada. And in Canada, it's mainly used in the western parts of Canada, which are unceded land, so taken on a kind of terra nullius basis like Australia. But there was a very fleeting footnote to an Australian Aboriginal argument that the Torrens system was intended to dispossess Aboriginal people and that footnote was very dismissive and it sort of said there's no further evidence of this but the reference was to a a Sydney University student magazine from the early 90s Um, the Sydney Gazette is it yeah and so I through archival research I tracked that down and the um Aboriginal student making that claim at the time is Noel Pearson. Oh, right. That's yeah. fascinating. But at the time, he was doing historical research which was arguing that Torrens knew what he was doing mm. and that this was an intentional mechanism to dispossess Aboriginal people of their land. This article was published in 1991, the year before Mabo came down. Wow. So I, I do think that after Mabo happened, the kind of route to recognition of aboriginal land rights changed and so making this argument became mm. you know less strategically useful for him
0: what about this last point indemnity
1: indemnity so this is the the last and sort of most assuring promise that the torrens system makes to title holders using its system which is that if there is a mistake on the register so again it is kind of recognizing that the mirror isn't as perfect as as it claims to be if there's any mistake that causes them to suffer loss they will pay for it they'll indemnify them so it's a it's a real guarantee that what it says on the register is is true they can rely on it and they can trade on it and
0: who basis. is guaranteeing that
1: well, in Australia, with the Torrens system, it'll be the state. So, And land registry systems in Australia at the moment are, are run by state governments. Mm,
0: although maybe not for too much longer. Oh,
1: no, that's right. Actually, the New South Wales um, land registry has recently been privatised, yeah. I believe. I'm not sure if they're fully privatised. I don't think
0: they've done it completely, but I think it's heading that way. Maybe by the time people are listening to this, <laughs> it will be privatised. How would that change things?
1: Well, yeah, I, th- I mean it's I think it's a pretty frightening prospect to be honest um,
0: because interestingly a lot of the property development industries and other groups don't want the state to privatize the land registry they like the state as the guarantor of land.
1: I can imagine yes. Uh, I I don't know why anyone would want to privatise the registry, to be honest. What it would mean if these principles are retained, which I'd imagine they would want to be, is that, yeah, it would be a a private insurer, essentially, taking over from the state as guarantor. And then, I mean, with any kind of privatisation, and particularly this is about information about the land in the state, you're trusting a a private body with fairly Mm. important information uh, that I would imagine you'd want to regulate fairly heavily. So we
0: started with this idea of the Torrens system being a way of registering land to make it more tradable internationally. And we've seen some interesting developments with the World Bank in this space. Can you tell me a little bit about, you know, these ideas about registering land and what the World Bank is doing?
1: Yeah. So when... Torrens brought in his system. It was very popular um, and one commentator describes the Torrens system of title registration as the jewel in the crown of colonial land management. So it spread first throughout the settler colonies in uh, the former British Empire and through a number of other regions and today it is the real favourite of the World Bank and other big international organizations um, like the WTO and IMF so the the World Bank really likes title registration Um, not necessarily the Torrens system but something like the Torrens system where all information relevant to land is easily accessible anywhere in the world and is guaranteed to the buyer and one indicator of the way that it encourages economies classed as developing to adopt these sorts of title registration systems is through its doing business rankings, which are rankings that the World Bank gives to developing economies basically as to how open to international investment they are Mm. and if they have title registration system preferably like Torrens, they will get a higher ranking. Mm.
0: And I'm thinking about the places that the World Bank operates and the Torrens system isn't a complete record of what's happening on the land, is it?
1: Absolutely not.
0: Yeah. So so what are we missing in the, in the Torrens system in terms of the story about that land?
1: Well, everything that's behind the curtain. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, with any kind of administrative system where you set up these... Rules, and particularly one like we are now drawing a curtain across the history of the land, a lot is going to get lost depending on on what that history is. So obviously, in Australia, we're missing Aboriginal very, very, very long and significant histories of land that Aboriginal people had uh, well before the Torrens system was. Um, was even thought of and in other contexts as well where where they've tried introducing the Torrens system you know in some of the Pacific islands and uh, some countries in Africa the more sort of informal relationships with land that are not easily translatable into legal title they get lost in the Torrens system they don't um, they're not easy to represent in the database Mm -hmm and that means they get hidden behind the curtain and made to, to legally disappear.
0: You've also written about the mortgage electronic registration system in the US, and I know that you have said that it might be a stretch to connect this up, but I don't think it is. Can you tell us a little <laughs> bit about that?
1: Sure, yeah. Well, first of all, maybe I should say that the US does not run any kind of federal title registration system but the one kind of registration system that does exist across the whole country is a corporate run mortgage electronic registration system. So this system was invented in 1993 by a group of banks and mortgage providers. Basically and this is I think what I find of interest with similar arguments that there were around the time that Torrens was inventing his system, what they were complaining about was that selling mortgages took too long, there was too much paperwork, and that was slowing down their trade. It wasn't efficient enough. So the slogan of MERS is process loans, not paperwork. And it's a a massive database of mortgage charges that banks can use to very, very, Quickly repackage and sell on those charges. So, MERS was quite important to the securitization boom that led to the subprime crisis. And I would say that all subprime mortgages were registered on MERS.
0: So, in some ways, you're saying it's the innovation component. It has. That's the similarity between Torrens and MERS.
1: It's the innovation component, and it's the goal. The goal of making land a completely liquid asset. So far, have we come from these um, ceremonies on the land where you were really asking for the respect and memory of the local community? Land has become completely dephysicalized. In and the legal way terms. that they
0: broke up those mortgages. You know, it mightn't have even been the same piece of land. It might have been little pieces of little pieces of land. So it was just so abstract in exactly.
1: the end. It, exactly, yeah. it was that that that's exactly what it was. So it wasn't even you couldn't even trace what was being traded to something real. But then there there actually is something real. Like people do live in those homes, but the legal forms being innovated through title registration and through for, for different kinds of interests in land and most significantly recently the mortgage are just completely divorced from the everyday life on the physical land. Hmm.
0: What would you say to people that would argue that we need these types of efficiencies in our land title registration system?
1: I would say, well, I mean, I guess the, the question is, Whose interests in land do these kinds of efficiencies serve? So, they certainly are very good for land markets and speculation, there's no doubt. They make trading in land and securitized interests in land from internationally, from far away, very easy. And so, I guess you do need them if you want to speculate on land and view it as a financial. Investment, and you want that industry to continue.
0: There's lots of calls at the moment for thinking about housing not as a repository for capital, but as a place that people live in. To go, you know, to go back to those old Marxist ideas about use and exchange value and all of those types of things. And in some ways, maybe that's what we need to do with land. We need to think about the way we're registering land and maybe tell some of those old stories about land.
1: Exactly. Because even though the curtain promises us that these histories don't exist, they do exist. And the people who have those histories still exist. And although their relationships with land have been legally disappeared by title registration systems, and of course through many other political means as well, they still exist. Those relationships with land still exist. And there must be a way to reimagine how we think about land and our relationships with it and how we pass it on to others that doesn't erase these histories that are still very real.
0: Sarah Keenan, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today.
1: Thanks so much, Dallas.
0: So that's it for this week. But remember, we'd love to hear from you. Please leave us a review via our iTunes podcast site. Just hit the subscribe link on our website at cityroadpod.org.